Hey y'all, this is Max. Welcome to episode zero of our podcast, discussion with Sim and myself. This week we were having a book discussion about Atomic Habits. I think we both bring up some interesting points of discussion and talk about some really interesting topics. Um, we're both pretty new to podcasting, this being our first episode, so we would very much appreciate any feedback if you have it. Thanks. See you in the next one. Well, um, I've been listening to some audiobooks lately, and one that really resonated with me was this book called Atomic Habits. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of Atomic Habits. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it just kind of blew my mind. Like, I, I feel like that should be, like, the type of book that you read in high school instead of, like, The Outsider's you know like like why are we not teaching people how to build habits instead of like how to analyze fiction like i feel like that's such a more important skill because so many people you know like fall into lives that they're not happy with because they're totally slaves to whatever automatic behaviors they have subconsciously built but this book is all about like reprogramming your brain yeah, wait, do you think that, like, it should be school's responsibility to actually teach kids and people like that about, you know, like, building habits, building a good lifestyle, or do you think it should just be on the individual? Well, you know, I heard so many times, I went to a public high school, and I heard so many times, we're not here to teach you biology, physics, chemistry, whatever, we're, we're here to teach you how to learn and how to think, and it's like, if you really, if that's really your goal, I think we should be focused a lot less on, you know, what specific science we're teaching or anything because students will, you know, get bogged down in that. I think it it's much more, it would be much more productive to teach more psychology and like um, just interpersonal communication and stuff. Like I think everyone should take like communication classes that aren't just about analyzing literature. Yeah. That makes sense. But do you think your school ended up doing like a good job of actually teaching you like good skills on how to like think and, you know, live or function? No, I think a lot of my my high school is really competitive. And I think a lot of students had like maladaptive characteristics where they were just overly competitive because, um, the environment allowed them to because there are so many grades so many competitions and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like when when you fall into that you lose sight of the fact that you know once you graduate high school um uh, like none of that matters all that matters is like like what really matters is like how how uh, good you were taking care of yourself you know and that's like something that i don't know at least i forgot like I spent so many all-nighters studying for math quizzes or whatever, and I would have benefited so much more if I just spent that time, like, exercising or something. <laughs> like, mm. it, I, I feel like it, it needs to be so much more simple than than they're making it. Or yeah. just, I don't know. That That's probably uh, against what a, a lot of teachers would, would think. I'm, I'm not really sure. 
Yeah. Mm. I don't know, because, like, for me, I'm, like, very passionate about this. But I thought, like, high school and the way they taught things were, like, really, like, useless. I did not feel like they really, like, taught anything, like, too, like, concrete or, like, useful in a lot of situations. I felt like a lot of people who, like, even took these classes, they ended up, like, learning this information only to forget it, you know, mm-hmm. the next week or the next month, right? And being forced to relearn it. Like, yeah. like, if I was to go back and I had to sit in, like, a Calc 1 class or a pre-calculus class, I probably would not be doing too hot because I would have forgotten so much shit, right? And I just feel like, um, you know, it almost is, like, a waste because um, – so I actually have like a different back. I have like a semi different background. So like I originally went to like did my pre high school or pre middle school kind of schooling in Canada, and then I went to like high school here, All right? And dude, in Canada, like over there, it's like the schooling is so different. And I remember that's like one of the clear things I noticed, right? So I remember almost everything that they taught you in like Canada was like completely like um, written. So there's never any multiple choice, right? And that's essentially how you would be tested on, right? Is how well do you know the concept? How well can you like problem solve that type of stuff, right? And I realized when I came into the States with multiple choice, how much less understanding I really got out of subjects, right? Because of this multiple choice stuff. Then on top of that, when you start getting into like high school, um, People, like, over here, it's, like, super competitive. I also went to, like, a pretty, like, decent, like, uh, high school. And so everyone was super competitive getting to, like, good universities. And, you know, people would just go hard and just, like, kill themselves nonstop, right? But in Canada, dude, it was, like, literally people just take fifth years. They're just like, ah, I don't have the grades right now to get into uni, so I'm just going to take a fifth year in high school and just chill, right? (laughs) And so many of them go to, like, local universities as well versus, like, the top or aiming to be at the top. And I found that, like, yeah. that contrast, like, quite huge, right? Yeah, I definitely think that's a better approach to education. And that's something that I, I admire a lot about the state of California, because they put a lot of funding into community colleges and the University of California system has a lot of emphasis on, like, transitioning kids from, like, a local college to university for the last two years. And I feel like that way of doing it makes so much more sense because there are so many like 18 and 19 year olds that go to university and are just like, they just have a horrible time and they're like depressed and shit because they don't know how to like do anything. Like, like yeah. they just, they get thrown in a dorm building and it's like, what do you do? You're yeah. not ready for it. But yeah. N- not, not even mentioning the cost just throwing away like a few tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to like then figure out what you want to do. Dude, college is so fucking expensive, man. When you actually start realizing it. And like, I actually really, really do agree with you. Like one of the biggest things for me is I remember I talked to a lot of people freshman and sophomore year and so many of them just like had no idea what they were even doing. Right. And two of my like super close friends, they like went to university, paid for like essentially two years of university, and they realized like fuck, I don't like this major, and they essentially just dropped out, right? And I'm just like that's just basically like twenty grand, like you know, down the drain. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. that's like the most ideal for sure. Because like you like so many people just waste twenty grand. I was like mentioning how like two of my friends basically spent twenty thirty grand 
for like two years of university realizing they don't like it and then just dropped out and i'm just like damn mm. right yeah and it just feels like college is almost like being for like i feel like college has always been like that thing where like everyone's kind of like always felt like they had to go or like were required to go but until like recently i actually feel like it's been kind of like it's actually become like more socially acceptable i'd say to like not have to go to uni uh, if that makes sense and i feel like freelancing has not been like much easier yeah i think that's true the the reasoning i heard recently which i think is interesting is like imagining your life as like time on the x-axis and wealth on the y-axis mm -hmm. so you have you're born and this is you in college you have some debt but yeah you know you're like the the way student loans work is usually i don't know they're like low rates for a long period of time like a few years after employment you cross that uh zero line again back into gaining wealth and then it starts to level off after you stop working and you are retired and just living off it but i don't really like the thing that isn't brought up there is if you don't ever dip below zero in the first place like exponential growth has so much more time to take effect and it's like it i i think a lot of people are misled into thinking that college is the only way to you know have like a stable life kind of but you know that that's a tired conversation true 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 i mean the only thing which i really want to comment on that um before we go back to the uh, atomic capital because i actually really want to ask you a question yeah. on that right yeah um is that dude like one of the craziest stats to me was like if you invest like a dollar right now at the stock market you get like seven percent of return which is like relatively easy if you just like throw it into one of those like mutual funds or whatever mm -hmm. basically that one dollar right now is 21 dollars when you're 60. right that's like crazy if you really think about it so if you invest 100 bucks that's 2100 when you're 60. Mm -hmm. right assuming like regular inflation and stuff like that right not sad for exponential growth, but just like kind of basically blew my mind and like thinking about how much more worthwhile it may, may be even to like invest money right into the stock market and just like letting it grow, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, um, in a funny way, ties exactly into a big point of the book saying if you stop trying to change your life with, you know, big. Mm -hmm. efforts like you know studying for 24 hours before an exam if you instead say like i'm gonna make it my goal to improve one percent every day mm -hmm. i forget exactly what the number was but by the end of a year you've improved by like 20 or so times there's 31 times if I remember. 31 times really yeah, yeah and and it, it just makes life seem like so much more approachable and like all the challenges so much more like mm -hmm. surmountable if um you just say like i don't need to you know write my whole book tonight i need to write or just you know put in one percent and just get one percent closer mm -hmm. and uh and the same thing goes for getting one percent worse if you spend a day not um you know studying a language or practicing an instrument and you get say one percent worse 
if you get 1% worse for a year, you're basically at zero again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the big point there is if you enjoy the process of like working towards something and you can just like enjoy the process of working at it instead of focusing so much on once I get to the end point, I'll be happy. If you just, mm -hmm. you know, let yourself be happy working towards it, like making those small improvements every day um, compounds. Do you, do you actually think the uh, the 1% rule is like difficult to do? Because I feel like drawing the line of what is 1% is like very, very hard. Yeah, I think it's uh, the, the easiest way to um, to like make it black and white is to kind of like um, just arbitrarily define it and then just accept it for what it is. Like, for example, you can say like, if you're like learning a language, just say um, 40 minutes is 1%. And I, because I'm someone who enjoys learning languages, I'm gonna spend 40 minutes like learning vocabulary or something or like speaking to someone. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the, the I mean, to, the, the challenge, like kind of what you're saying is, is to make it concrete. And yeah. I think the best way to do that is like to keep a scorecard with like, a few things that you want to work on and then over the course of the week you check how many times you've done it during that week and mm -hmm. um the the challenge is to keep on like self-evaluating and say you know how well am i doing at this thing and are these the habits that i want to build and like do i want to alter anything for the next week and if you on friday look at your week and say i did this thing one time i did this other thing seven times you're challenged to say like did I do this one time because I didn't try hard enough or because this isn't actually something that's important to me? Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, write it down to make it concrete and like continue, continuously self-reflect. I think it makes it a lot more manageable. Like for me, at least like writing stuff down is huge because mm -hmm. it it's very mentally taxing to keep things in your head, just like bouncing around. Very true, very true. Yeah, because I feel like um, one of the biggest things for me was I never realized how helpful it was to either like talk out loud and get all the, like, the random thoughts in my head out loud or to actually write it down, right? And there's actually this very like interesting um, quote, not a quote, but basically it was like this like by like Jordan Peterson, right, where I was watching this YouTube video in Jordan Peace and the, the question was like, why do we learn how to write? And so I, that, I feel like that question was never really like answered before. Like most of the time when you're writing that, like you're, you're writing, it's like, ah, oh, cause I have to, right? Mm -hmm. I passed like in high school and stuff like that. And the answer he gave, I thought was like very good, which was you learn, like you're writing to learn how to think, right? And he correlated like writing and thinking to be pretty much exactly the same, right? And so I thought that was quite, I thought that was really, really like informative, if that kind of makes sense. Because that, to me, like when I end up writing down or write down anything now, it's almost as if I'm trying to like get out, get out of my thoughts. I'm trying to think in more concrete matter, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think to your point of speaking out loud as well, there 
is something to be said about you know taking advantage of like our biology and the way our brain works if you just like you know if you open your fridge and there are like cupcakes and apples and you reach towards a cupcake you can actually like hack your brain by just speaking aloud this bad choice you're about to make saying even though i wanted to be healthy this week i am now choosing to pick up a cupcake and if you just point and speak that out loud it like lets you take a different perspective and uh there, there was a like a anecdote about that with um like a train conductor um mm -hmm. instead of just looking up and down the aisle to make sure it's safe he actually had to point and say all clear all clear and actually speaking and pointing aloud use, uses more parts of your brain to actually bring your awareness towards what's happening instead of letting your brain just follow whatever paths it's already developed Wait, really? I actually had no idea. Wait, is that actually like true? Yeah. Or you can just uh, do that? Yeah. I mean, there were like, yeah, there, there were like some studies referenced. It, it was something that came up in the book. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, there's actually something which I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on. Because mm -hmm. I, I never finished Atomic Habits, but I read like a few chapters. Mm -hmm. It's still like it's something you finished the book. But mm -hmm. actually, no, I think I did finish the book. But there's this one particular chapter that like really stood out to me, which is almost like they're talking about something about how like essentially forming like a ritual. Mm -hmm. Do you do you remember that chapter at all? Um continue. Okay, sure. I, I, so yeah, yeah. Basically it's like he said, um let's say you want to look lose weight, right? You want to build a new habit. Mm -hmm. The general type of advice they kind of gave was to start like super, super small, like build like the ritual, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, like, let's say you want to actually uh, go to the gym, right? You need to mm -hmm. essentially be the type of person, you know, who goes to the gym, right? You need to cast votes into becoming that type of person. And so what he basically like was recommending was if you could perfect the ritual, Right, which is like, let's say you want to actually like lose weight. The ritual would be to put on your shoes, put on your socks, and let's say drive to the gym, right? And that right there should be like maybe the majority of the effort. And as soon as you keep doing that over and over and over again, you build up this ritual, let's say put on your socks, putting the habit, it almost gets like, you know, built into you that like, hey, after I do this, put on these socks, I put on this, this shirt, these shorts and this shirt, I'm going to the gym, no question about it. And the way he kind of recommended to like reaffirm this in a sense was that when you're building this habit out, make sure it doesn't go over like five minutes, right? Do the entire ritual, spend two minutes actually doing the habit and then call it good. And then just keep doing that over and over and over again until that, that ritual in a sense of let's say put on your, putting on your shoes, socks, shoes, shorts, and your gym shirt is all built in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To, yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like ties back to, you know, his point about systems versus goals, because mm -hmm. this thing that you're talking about, you know, getting prepared to go to the gym, that's focusing on like, like the system, I guess, instead of like the goal of I want to work out, which is very ambiguous. That's true, that's true. Yeah. I, feel, I, feel, I feel like that approach is given way more as a system than to focus on like ambiguous goals.
Do you, do, you, do you actually like agree with that? Do you think there's like a better way to actually go about to do it? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I think it it's kind of like the same idea as writing stuff down. Like if you want to build a habit of making yourself breakfast in the morning and, you know, you have to pass the kitchen to go to the bathroom instead of, you know, writing yourself a note to tell yourself to make breakfast or put a reminder on your phone, you just leave a pan out on the stove or like leave the bread out. So like, like these visual cues, I think are really powerful. Oh, and, yep, yep, yeah. But changing your environment. Right? Yeah, changing your environment, exactly. So, so much of the stuff that we do day to day is just like triggered by stuff that we see and we have no idea. And there's this story that was told in this book again, that was saying that there was this horrible epidemic of not epidemic but just so many soldiers u.s soldiers in vietnam were addicted to heroin and they were constant heroin users up to like 40 percent were like consistent heroin users and yeah. typically we think of heroin use as something that's like not easily overcome like once you start using heroin you use it forever but yeah. they kept track of these soldiers once they came back to the u.s over 90% of these soldiers never tried heroin again. And basically what this uh, kind of told the people who were researching is that the habit isn't, you know, strictly chemical in your brain with the drug and, you know, whatever it does to your brain, it's, it's so strongly tied to your environment and, you know, the people around you, like the, and, and the opposite is true for, uh, well, I mean, it's frustrating because that that's like the same reason why prison doesn't work and the same reason why rehab doesn't work because you spend this time in rehab being clean and you come back and the opposite of that statistic is true. Over 90% of people will relapse again once they come home because they're back in the same environment where they were doing the drugs in the first place. Damn, so that's actually dating, insane. Yeah, yeah. Completely forgot about that. That like statistic. It's actually true. Does it actually say like ninety percent? Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like holy shit. Boy. Yeah. Wait, that's actually like damn. Because ninety percent, that's like huge, especially when you're thinking of something like heroin, which has such a bad like, which has like, rightly so, this terrible stigma of being like the one of the most addictive things, right? Yeah. You always see shit about that on like YouTube where like you know people tried one time, they like never forget about it, right? Permanently yeah. rewires the brain and they just they just crave it. Mm. But because like, I've always heard about that like shortly, you know, slightly here and there, about how environment can really play a role, but I didn't expect it to really be like that huge, right? Mm. Until like, I end up like reading the book as well. Because I remember there's also this other study in the book about something about the hospital and soda. I think soda consumption was like super super high and so all they really did and they wanted people to drink more water is that they just threw water right beside the soda and water mm -hmm. consumption like like went up from zero to like almost 20 percent mm -hmm. like overnight and i found that actually like quite quite insane yeah so, so doesn't that pretty much mean all you really 
focusing on focusing on your environment and setting setting up your environment to be like what you most ideally want is probably like the strat to get you to do what you want to do absolutely and you know i've always heard like you're only success as successful as like your closest three friends and mm-hmm. you know that's the same idea because the you know, the things that your friends do you'll observe and you'll probably you know internally ask yourself like why am i not doing that thing like why am i not going to the gym or why am Mm -hmm. i not you know studying tonight and all of the habits that we have are based on our close circle our wider community so like our college and then the just whatever goals we have for ourselves. and i yeah so i mean that that's just something that he was talking about in the book like those are the three sources of uh like the goals or those are the three sources of our habits mm-hmm. like our, our friends our community and our aspirations oh, okay. so I, I do agree with that yeah that actually that actually makes a lot of sense it's because like one of my like personal models has always been like to always like choose your friends pretty wisely because I like have always believed that like essentially your friends and the people you surround yourself with end up making who you're going to become. Mm. Right. Yeah. If you end up surrounding yourself with people who are like who you want to be like, you'll probably eventually end up become becoming like them in one way or the other. Right. Mm. So actually I, I really, really do have really agree with that statement. Mm. It, like it almost like makes it a bit tough because I feel like a lot of a lot of people as well they end up surrounding themselves with like really like terrible friends they end up having like the adverse effect on them and they don't exactly know when to like really like call it quits right or when to move on to like different friends if that makes sense yeah 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 it's like I don't know like everything kind of is a drug more or less like like the interactions you have with people like give you like serotonin or dopamine or whatever and it's like like breaking off a, a relationship is always like a really hard thing that's true that's true it is yeah. for sure very, very difficult i actually want to give you um a recommendation yeah if you have time to like check it out have you ever heard of like uh I'm gonna butcher this guy's name, but like novel uh Rivikant or Rivikant? Is this the guy on Twitter? Uh he he is on Twitter a lot. That posts is, like is little... it Navel? Yes, does his Navel, name look Navel. like Navel? Yes, it is yes. Navel. I freaking love that guy. I think he is such an interesting speaker. Yeah, have you ever like uh watched his like I think it's almost like a three to four hour document on how to get rich. I So, no, but I did see a, a Twitter thread that was kind of on that topic. Does he have like, like a, I don't know, did, did you write like a document about that? Yeah, so basically he took his entire like tweet storm mm-hmm. and he explained every single tweet in these little short little segment videos that are like a few mm-hmm. minutes long. So he yeah. goes into each tweet, explains why it's viable and why it's meaningful to him, right? Right. Without and it's like this almost three-hour segment of him just breaking down every single tweet. And I found, I actually found that video like 
these like his like thoughts super super interesting but on yeah. top of that like he has some he has like he had this other podcast like a very other one that was released almost like a month ago hmm. with this guy named Kapil uh, Gupta and hmm. I actually found that his his philosophy was very 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 like unique right and so like him yeah. and like uh, Naval just basically like talk about it and try to like break it down right Mm-hmm. yeah i actually found this guy like his youtube videos dude if you ever get a chance to check them out i would like heavily give that because he, he breaks down his thoughts in a very elegant way try like hell like that's cool yeah i didn't realize he posted his own stuff i've only seen his interview with uh i think it was joe rogan actually oh but... yeah that's actually how i ended up discovering him yeah that's cool yeah actually that Joe Rogan's podcast is kind of underrated in that aspect because he's introduced me to a lot of interesting people that I've like then been able to like go explore. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 a lot of people which I've like, uh, end up like listening to, I think I also got Jordan Peterson through him as well. There's just a lot of like different, like, um, people end up getting through Joe Rogan. It just sucks he's on fucking Spotify now, dude. Fuck Spotify. <laughs> Did you not go for premium after that? No, I mean, I still have premium, but I'm just like, I yeah. am way too lazy to go to Spotify just to play his things. I'd rather have shit just come on YouTube, right? That's what I mainly go for entertainment. That's funny. Yeah. I, I guess I was lucky because I was already in the habit of listening to podcasts on Spotify, and I have like seven shows that... I'm just like totally obsessed with and really? I feel like po- podcasts in general are just underrated because a lot of the podcasts that people know about are just like these talk shows but there are a lot of um shows out there that are just like really interesting listens and like examples of good journalism do, do you mostly, have any recommendations yeah so mostly NPR so the first uh podcast I ever got really into is this one called Radio Lab where they just choose a topic and they talk about it for an hour and it's just like so like um i don't know it, they just really get you to care about it which is really cool so really? is this all on yeah. Uh, spotify yeah yeah i think it's all available on spotify yeah here i'll, I'll actually i'll make i'll make a few recommendations and i'll actually type them out because yeah, if you can type them out, that'd be a very appreciated. I'll 100% yeah. give, it, give it a listen. Nice. Yeah, they actually really top and uh, jump between so many different topics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you can try to find some of the older episodes where they still had Kai Ristall, I think he recently left the show, but um, he, he's just like a really cool guy. Okay. 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 Yeah. If they, yeah, yeah. This American Life is more like, um, like storytelling, Mm -hmm. which is good. If you really like good storytelling, Snap Judgment is my strongest recommendation. Um, yeah. Snap Judgment about. Snap Judgment is this dude, and his thing is it's storytelling with a beat. And he's just a very rhythmic speaker. And it, like, it's just like a master class in like how to 
get people to empathize with your story because every word of it out of his mouth, like like you're like on the edge of your seat waiting to hear, you know, what happens next. And that's really? just like su- such a powerful skill. Yeah, to like be able to like to, to be able to be a, a powerful storyteller to get people to like be emotionally invested like in what you're saying is yeah totally like an underrated skill. Shit, okay. I'm actually 100% going to check that out because that seems super interesting. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, because I feel like, because um, I would say I'm a pretty pretty shit-tier storyteller. So am I. <laughs> I. Yeah, they're just like, it's 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 hard to keep like a linear path, I feel like. I mean, a lot of this is practice, right? In the end of the day. Like, I feel like if you end up doing this for like, I don't know, five times, 10 times, 15 times, Mm. more focus on it we'll probably get like passable levels hopefully by then right and from there yeah. i can grow like grow from there yeah that would be cool for sure hey thanks for listening to this episode of the pod if you want to hear more episodes or learn more about us you can find more at mwalts.com that's mwalts.com thanks peace